My name is Will Fitzgerald and this is the Goway Film Podcast. Today on the show, I'm chatting with Simon Fellows. Simon has directed a number of genre films with people like Jean-Claude Van Damme, Heather Graham and Danny Dyer. His latest film is in a different mould. It's a rural mystery thriller called Steel Country and the film stars Andrew Scott of Sherlock fame as a dump truck driver who takes it upon himself to investigate the death of a young boy in the backwoods of Pittsburgh. Simon, thank you for taking the time out. You're very welcome. Um, and you're here in Galway with uh, your uh, latest feature, Steel Country. That's right. Uh, which I have to say, I really enjoyed. Um, terrific rural thriller, terrific slice of Americana, a career best performance from Andrew Scott, um, and quite a departure for you as well um, from your previous filmography. Very much so, yeah, a massive departure. Um, and it's something that had been on my mind for a long time was to you know, um, a solid drama, basically. Um, and um, I had worked, as I think you know, on quite a few action um, um, films, really, action pictures. Um, it started with a horror and somehow ended up in action, which I enjoyed very much and, you know, learned a hell of a lot. Um, but there's nothing quite like drama in so much as that, you know, those films can be quite technical um, and uh, lots of camera technique and things like that and repeats of action and you know to work with actors and you can it's so malleable mm-hmm. um you can talk about performances change in a in an instant the tone of the scene um i gotta say he's more exciting <laughs> i shouldn't say that but i gotta say he's... um and so to, let's uh go back to the beginning actually for you uh in terms of your career it was um, commercials uh, originally actually commercials originally school, yeah the, tell the, us about it you went to film school went to film school went to Bournemouth Film School um, on the south coast of the UK and upon graduation then um, I was quite aware that to get close to 35 mil I guess and high end crews and high end post production one of the ways in was um, commercials and um, I was really fortunate because upon graduation um, I went and saw all the companies I could and got picked up by one called Blink Productions in, in, in the UK and I spent probably about eight, nine years working solidly in commercials and did a, a hell of a lot of commercials wow. internationally but it, that was kind of like my second best film school, you know, it taught yeah. me a lot about um, the big machine in a way um, that can happen but for very short bursts um, but the need to make longer format, um, you know, never left me. And uh, it was quite hard pulling yourself away from commercials. And I knew that you had to go back to the basics. And, um, you know, I came, uh, developed two short films that um, I uh, paid for myself and got made. Um, But it was a wonderful feeling, you know, to get back to what I regard as filmmaking. Yeah, I'm guessing the commercial... Uh, life was more lucrative, or at least when it was, was when you were making shorts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's fantastic training and, and a fantastic place to be, isn't it? You know, no, no denying it. But the rewards, I mean, you know, it, as every filmmaker would tell you, is, is the time that goes into a short film, even doesn't have to be a feature film, is immense, and doesn't you know it's never enough money for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a huge amount of love, you know, and they're mini miracles anyway. Yeah. Um, they get made, so you have to take your half to any filmmaker that, that makes a film and achieves a film, I think. And um, But it, it wasn't that I, I... I just wanted to go back to what I'd learned and what my ambitions were at film school, really. Um, and that was filmmaking, so it was getting your head back down to 
um, you know, grassroots of script again and, and developing your own material. And I guess like any walk of life, when you segue off in another direction, it can distract you for a while yeah. um, from, from what you really wanted to do. And you think having it was the cachet of uh, being a commercials director that got you uh, features gigs or would you credit your short films with that? I think the short films actually. Um, and I'd like to think those days when Ridley and Alan Parker were around and, and commercials really helped them carve their way into the film industry. But those days have gone a little bit um, and people were looking for people that really knew how to handle um, a longer format. And mm -hmm. I think you had to, it was interesting because you had to go back and prove yourself again and go back to brass tacks of, you know, um, showing that you could make even a, even a short film yeah. um, with some, some, and it's interesting because all of the techniques that you employ in commercial, in commercials work, you don't necessarily employ in filmmaking, you know, um, of any longer format. Um, so it was kind of, yeah, going backwards to go forwards, I guess, yeah. um, in your own sort of self-belief. It's interesting you say that because it does feel like now, with you know um filmmaking equipment being more kind of widely and more cheaply available mm. and a lot of uh diy filmmaking being out there it almost feels like to make a feature if you want to be a features director you have to make a feature to prove yourself from like from off the bat is that your is I that how you see it these days I, th I guess i guess so <clears throat> but some things never change and and those things always start with a thing called the script and you know a script is a very bespoke process um and you know, moving forward on any project, no matter what it is, it all comes back to the script and it always does come back to the script on set. You're talking about the script in post-production, you're talking about the script, it all back channels to the script. And I think that that's for me, like the first thing. Um, but given, as you mentioned, that the technology available to all of us now, it certainly puts the power into the hands of anybody that, mm -hmm. that has the ambition and drive to do it. But as we all know, a camera will always require focusing, you know, it always requires people to move it, um, you know, and, and the team builds. So it's never quite as simple. Mm -hmm. And the post-production process in a funny sort of way, you know, trans transitioning from film to digital, um, it requires just as, as, as much work, I think, um, you know, to, it's obviously easier to transfer the material and contain it yourself and hard drives, etc. But you're still talking enormous amounts of hard drive and quite sophisticated setup. So I guess the, it depends what tier or what kind of level you're shooting for, but there's never been a better time for filmmakers to go and um, create, Yeah. Um, you know, themselves. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with you on, you know, it all coming back to the script. Um, I'm something of a classicist that way. I love a good structure. Um, I love good writing. Um, is it fair to say, I think you've mostly directed other people's scripts? Have you done scripting of your own? Yeah, I mean, I work closely with writers. I do write myself, but, um, you know, I know my limits. And um, there's people out there in, in, in many parts of the industry that are way better than I am. I just know a little piece about everybody's job, mm -hmm. which is, I think, what drew me to directing, because I never started um, wanting to be a director. I actually wanted to be a model maker. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and it was my lecturers at film school that approached me and... It, the BBC, I think, came to the film school for the first 10 by 10 series, which was student short films, and um, asked the students to write um, ideas. So I wrote one about my old sculpture tutor who used to work with a chainsaw, and um, it got commissioned by the BBC, and they said, who do you want off the course to direct it? And I said, well, I think that you, you should choose. And then they came to me the next day and said, we think you should have a go. And um, so I thought about it, and then I said, okay, I'll try it. And I think I was bitten then because I could see that it was a... 
you know, understanding and learning about everybody else's part to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's what that's what really got me into directing, basically, in the first place. I've segued off, I think. No, no, that's good. Um, and it's interesting, like we, from a couple of these conversations that we've had with directors here on the show, um, you know, they have they all have their different perspectives on uh, what it is that makes a director. From your perspective, like you're talking there, it seems like it's uh, it's about knowing. Um, you know, everybody's role and uh, it's about being able to lead a team. Um, we've had differing opinions. Some people think it's um, it's actually a lot more egalitarian than people think, that it's not like a, you know, a divine calling. Um, other people think that it's, you know, maybe it's you have the visual language or you don't. Um, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has a different take um, on it. I mean, I think it's a, a democracy. And, um, you know, I mean, my, the place to to work, again, comes back to the script. And I, I enjoy um, investing a lot of time with writers um, and, and mulling it over, talking it through, getting feedback, finding out where the script weaknesses are and coming up with solutions, suggesting solutions, um, you know, and enabling the writer to have the confidence to um, to, to keep working and mm-hmm. um, and encouraging. And I guess then there's different phases of the process. You know, when you move into pre-production, you kind of have to wear a different hat. And when you're in production, then there's another one. And part of that one is about keeping the train on the track sometimes, you know, because it's a fast and furious process. I mean, Steel Country was actually shot in 19 days, wow. which is quick. And, um, you know, there's, 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 so you have to put another hat on there. Yeah. But I think different people run sets and, and how they, they, they approach directing in very different ways. I know some people um, are much more interested in the visual aspect and work closely with the DP and some people more with the cast. And, you know, I like a balance to it all. Um, but I think if you pick really good heads of department, you get on very well and communicate with it's good to you just enable people to do their job best. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and equally with the actors, you know, is, is to create that kind of creative space for everybody. A referee in a football match, really, with, with the, with the um, privilege of being able to uh, make the final decisions over things. Yeah. Because ultimately, under it all, you start with a vision from the script in your head and you're shooting for that. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to communicate that to everyone you're working with. And hopefully that, that carries through. But sometimes that changes, you know, and you have to, I think you have to be able to adapt as well. Uh, if there's a good thing happening, you know, that mm-hmm. isn't quite what you first thought, um, you have to make a decision. Are you going to, you know, dig in and stick with the look you had in mind at the beginning or go with some of these new ideas? Um, yeah. And that's instinctive quite yeah. a lot, you know. So I think you have to you have to be uh, quite... Um, sharp you know to things yeah. going on around you yeah and work with uncertainty a little bit i guess exactly yeah yeah, yeah. you you always are but eyes wide open you yeah. know and i i a big one for ears and eyes open all the time for a good idea because it can come from anywhere you know and there's been many a situation you know where people if they're around the camera and feel confident enough to come up and say you know what i was thinking about that scene and what about this and i think that's great you know i do sort of encourage that obviously practically when you're shooting it can be tricky and you have to find a balance to that process because there isn't the time to talk to everyone, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and all my time goes into the talent, you know, um, and working with them and making them comfortable on set. But, um, you know, a good, like I say, a good idea can come from anywhere and take it. That's great <clears> to hear. Yeah. Um, so again, I just charting, like, like walking through your career a bit um, and going back to the ambitions you were saying you had, like you, uh, we've gotten to Steel Country, which is a drama, but you've gone through a lot of genre pictures. Mm. Um, was that always an ambition to? I think 
it was ultimately because I was brought up on films that were genre pictures and you know commercial pictures. Um, that doesn't mean that they were the only films I loved, but ultimately, I my, my first picture that I got offered was a, a genre piece with Heather Graham and James Purefoy and Andy Circus, and it was a horror basically. And um, you know, ultimately, I was drawn to the script, and you know, um, and, and built it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some way. Sometimes the industry has a way of pulling you in certain directions. Um, and there was a Fast and Furious period where I was doing a lot of that stuff. And again, it was just an amazing opportunity to learn and, and, and figure stuff out and, and, you know, working with stars and how that works, etc. Um, but again, I guess a little bit like the commercials thing, you, you start to look in the mirror and go, I want to do this stuff. How am I going to do that stuff? Mm. Um, so it's just a growth process, a learning process Great. about yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, but I feel very comfortable with Still Country. Great. <clears throat> and so was it, I mean, did you have, was there any convincing, um, say, producers or financiers to let you take a punt on something that's a departure from previous work? Or did you just seek out the right script and said, listen, I think I'm the man for this job. Maybe tell us a bit about that process. Yeah, unbelievably fortunate really in so much as I knew the script was good and I actually got the script from a management company called Zero Gravity in LA um, who represent me and I love the script from day one and I spent probably about six months working with the writer and then I got it into a shape that I thought you know what Um, there's a couple of producers I know um, I'll send it out and one of them was Gareth Ellis Unwin who I'd worked with in the past um, and, and as a mate and uh, he'd just come off the back of the King's Speech mm. and I was dreading sending it to him. He'll tell you himself that he was also dreading receiving it. He was like, <laughs> what do you tell a mate if it's um, rubbish? And, uh, you know, then he got back, fortunately, and said, this is a great script. And uh, so we got our heads together and said, OK, let's, let's, let's go for it. And I don't think he ever questioned my past. Um, and he knew that my heart was in this story, in this picture. Um, and that I'd got the experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so together, really, the journey began. But it really took him and uh, another producer called Leon Clarence, who, who's come to the festival, actually, who, uh, without question, gave me the support and the confidence to go forward with it. Um, I guess many would. Many would have questioned it because it is quite a big departure. Mm-hmm. Um, you make your own look, don't you? Yeah, that's great. And so good partnerships, again, I guess, is key, good collaborators. Especially with producers and yeah. especially in the early stages because it really is a game of getting in the trenches together um, and trying to navigate your way through the complex process of trying to put a picture together and especially a picture that maybe on paper isn't the most commercial idea. Um, and there was a couple of ways, you know, that Steel Country could have gone and it could have been, I guess, a more of a basic thriller. Um, but what we, or I certainly realised, is that it was never a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle of a thriller plot. Um, it was always a twelve-piece. It was more about the character and his journey mm-hmm. um, through um, the story, and and that's what compelled me, and that's what made me make it that way. Yeah. Um, and then the cast, I think, once they understood that was the type of film, um, it managed to generate um, a lot of interest, um, and I ended up with, I think, a fantastic cast. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about casting. I mean, it's a really interesting co-production because you've got um, UK and Irish talent and this American story uh, set in Pittsburgh. Mm. Um, yeah, how? Do, uh, why choose those actors? I guess for this role. Well, it, um, <clears throat> it was sort of never pre-designed. Um, it was all a case of looking with the casting director who's around and who might be right for the part. And I remember meeting Andrew first, um, and 
we had a sort of long conversation about the piece and he was clearly into the project and certainly into the character. And he said some an amazing thing when he walked out the room. He said to me, you know, the thing is with this character, it's a real responsibility. And mm-hmm. I think when you see the movie, you'll understand what he meant yeah. by that. And, you know, it sent the chill up my spine because that's how I felt about the character and the challenge of it, actually. It's very difficult, fine balance to get that character right. And I yeah. think we have... And then Gareth introduced me to Broner. Um, and it's amazing the three leads are all Irish, actually. Um, and um, and Denise Goff, um, we, I always had my mind on her for the part of Linda, and the script was sent to her. And again, it goes back to our earlier conversation about a good script. The thing about a good script is that when talent read it and their, their agents read it, nine times out of ten, you get a good positive feedback. Um, whereas if you've got an average script, it's much harder to convince people obviously it's an obvious thing but mm-hmm. that's why i say all the emphasis needs to go into the script yeah and i've seen the upside to that process yeah <clears throat> and did you were there other uh, like touchstones in terms of this sort of uh the kind of movie like did you watch other rural thrillers um or yeah there were always things in my mind and uh, one thriller that came to mind only that it was shot in the same location was prisoners um the villeneuve mm-hmm. film which i thought had a fantastic kind of control of balance uh, control over the thriller element and the characterizations um and uh, i don't know i mean shooting it's always exciting going to a, uh, another country as well and exploring that country and i always think of so I think it was something that Alan Parker said about how an alien's eye in a landscape notices things that somebody that lives there doesn't. And mm-hmm. that's a really exciting thing because when you go to, you know, a different country or you're filming in a different location, you will see these details and you will pick up on these things that the that, that, that local wouldn't. Um, so it's all that kind of exciting stuff that, that happens around you, you know, if you're fortunate yeah. to do one. Yeah. <clears throat> And so, um, future projects, uh, is, are you still focused on um, the release of Steel Country? or? Yeah, very much so. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's always, I think, part of a director's process is you're always uh, looking at projects and developing projects, and that work's always going on. It's a little bit like a, an old map painter, you know, a visual effects map painter painting on glass. And in order to have the stamina to do it, they used to do seven at once and, you know, take a break from that one and move to the next one. And um, You're always juggling, you know, mm-hmm. and there's some projects I've had for a number of years that are finally coming to fruition. And there's always sort of new things coming to the table, either generated from me or from reading material or from reading books, etc. Um, you know, they, they happen all the time. Um yeah. But carving them into something that other people go, ah, that might have something is, is the trick, really, yeah. which is the, all that amazing amount of time that goes into things that no one ever sees. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the fun part. Of <laughs> and to what extent do you feel that like you do wear that producer's hat um, in terms of keeping your, uh, you know, directing career going? Like, is there a, is there a percentage of like, you know, um, or, or how do you even break it down in terms of your working day is that I'm wearing my producer's hat for like, 75% of the time and then I get to focus on this part that I really love that's a really good question because I've never really thought about it like that but I guess in the early stages you you act like a producer sometimes because you're you're working with the writer or trying to obtain the rights to something or you know and 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 doing that business side of it but that's full-time and that never stops mm-hmm. um and if even if you're doing a picture you know the wheels are still turning in the background and Obviously, you have to take your pedal off the gas at some point um, and focus, but that's constantly going on. But that's what's wonderful about when the project's at a point. And sometimes you, you develop, you know, with the producer um, side by side. But 
um, when it's at that point that you can engage with a producer that that has the same vision that you have and the same enthusiasm for the project you know it's great to have that kind of partner in crime really um, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to start pushing forward um, and seeing if you can get momentum mm-hmm. and so going back to uh, release uh, Steel Country is with Bulldog it's with Bulldog yeah. uh, is there a release planned? Uh, there is yeah and, and release in the UK and I don't really know anything about dates yet I heard a rumour about autumn um, I guess you have to ask them. Yeah, <laughs> it would be Sorry. a nice autumn movie. Yeah, no problem. Um, and so, funny, maybe just by way of wrapping up, tell us what are you like when you're not working on those, you know, myriad projects that you're having to juggle. Do you uh, watch films or TV to unwind? Do you read podcasts? What, what's your? I read a lot. Yeah, um, I enjoy reading a lot. Um, I enjoy watching a lot. I do watch a lot, and um, you know, because there's always things that connect and there's always things that's sort of chaos theory really but there's always things that somehow tie into things that you're thinking about um and so i think you know i jo- i i have a sort of downtime system where it's either reading watching or writing um just to exercise the muscles all the mm-hmm. time um in between you know anything that's practically got to happen with development of projects yeah. um and it's i mean it's a full-time thing you know it has to be i think yeah. um but i guess that's why you get into it because you love it and and you know but you it does require self-motivation massive amounts of self-motivation so i think that's a key for any filmmaker really but yeah. it's probably a common thing that you see in people is is writing something that you you writing in your downtime is that something you can do to unwind or does it yeah definitely and um you know again it comes back to that understanding a little bit about everybody else's process mm-hmm. um and but also know, <laughs> you know there's people that are better than you it's a things and um you know but writing's just a, a wonderful thing anyway to um, do and, and and exercise the brain all the time and I tend to keep it to short things or you know I mean there's a couple of feature things I've been working on for a while and you know I enjoy it I, I really enjoy it and um, you know but also I understand how tough that process can be and you know if you've got a block and that's where I think it helps because you can come in fresh especially when you're working with a writer and, and, and hit them with 12 options of things to do um, and let them decide you know so I think it's good to train yourself that way yeah it's healthy cool. And so again, just going back to what what you like to watch or read, have you got any like recommendations for listeners of stuff that you're loving right now, or anything great that you've seen recently? Uh, a show. I mean, a show I really liked actually that Netflix did was Ozark. I really liked its kind of uh, hardness, I guess, um, and blunt kind of storytelling. Um, I thought that was an amazing show. Um, I mean, there's just a wealth of material out there. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing some stuff at the festival actually. Um, good to hear yeah. <laughs> other than that no great cool well thanks a million Simon Fellows you're Cheers very for welcome that's our show Steel Country went on to win best international film at this year's Galway Film Flow. keep your eyes peeled for a screening near you in the not too distant future in the meantime you can reach Simon on Twitter at Simon Fellows you can send us your comments at Galway Film our show is produced by Grease On Demand Skillnet Training leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear it will help new listeners to find us. And subscribe while you're there. There's more episodes to come. There'll be one next week, in fact. Until then, I'm Will Fitzgerald. Slongo Fall. <laughs>